0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 3 today. Revelation chapter 3. And I put together some introductory thoughts. I'm not sure they're the best, but I think they'll get us where we're headed Several years ago, I was at a leadership conference with a couple thousand other people, and I would call him a leadership expert was up front, and he was talking to us about how we, when do we perform at our best? And so he presented this question: How do individuals, or when do individuals do their best work? And he was talking about whether that's whether when we're under-challenged, appropriately challenged, or over-challenged. Right? And he asked us as a group to vote. We were like, okay, how many of you think people do their best work when they're under challenged? And virtually no one in the room said, oh yeah, that's it. We knew that wasn't it. And he said, how many when were appropriately challenged? And I think pretty much everyone thought, I'll bet that's the right answer. I didn't raise my hand because I thought, I'll bet this is a trick question. <laughs> and, then, and then he landed and helped us see actually when do we do our best work our sweet spot is actually higher, you ready? It's higher than what we might typically think. It's when we're ch- challenged to the highest or a high level. He even talked about being dangerously overchallenged, And it's being close to that when we, when we do our best work. And the idea was, if we're going to reach our full potential, our best work, <laughs> this was a takeaway from me. Don't be afraid to put some pressure on yourself. Is that? Don't be afraid to put some pressure on yourself. I think this makes sense when we ponder it. Most of us could agree that striving for mediocrity is a bad plan. You ever sort of been on a diet? How'd that go? (laughs) Right? It doesn't work. You set your face toward, let's have, I just want an average marriage. Doesn't, like, that's not what we desire, right? That's, we know somewhere in there, the standard or what we pursue, how much we try to pursue excellence makes a huge difference on the results in our lives. The idea is high expectations are healthy and good. So now we're going to make the jump. It's not surprising, then, that we serve a God who calls us to high standards. In 1 Peter 1.15, God's word says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be okay in all you do. That's not what it says. Some people are not paying enough attention to even know. But that's not what it says. Holy in all you do. The next Uh, command is familiar to a lot of us. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Another way to think of it from a biblical perspective is God rarely commands us or calls us to mediocrity The seventh command of the Ten Commandments is not, thou shalt not commit adultery very often. Some people are still not. Should I start over? Is any of this working? <laughs> it's not working at all, is it? Let's just stand for closing prayer and go home. <laughs> right? It doesn't say, thou shalt not commit. Don't lie unless you really have to. There's, this is not in. The command. Don't have very many idols in your life. A few is okay, but that's not where God takes us, challenges us to. So hold that thought, those thoughts. We're in this series, But God. Two words that change everything. Today we're going to explore God's tendency to challenge us to excellence. I think there's going to be a little bit of an edge to the talk. I'm glad you're here so I don't have to take it all myself. It's going to be some challenging things. We're in this, uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 3, background. God's talking to, in this section, seven different groups of people, communities of Christians, churches. And in almost every one, he brings some encouragement, and he brings some challenge. And in the church, he's going to talk to the church of Laodicea. And in this one, he is going to bring a... bring a big challenge to excellence and confront mediocrity. Start in verse 14. To the church... To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness... The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And then there's a great vision in verse 21, it says, to the one, last verse, to the one who is victorious, I will give, I love this, never noticed it before, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat with the Father on his throne. Isn't that a cool final idea? It's an opportunity of a lifetime. I will give you the right to come with me, Jesus, sitting on the throne. You can sit next to me on my throne. That's an opportunity. But in the midst of that opportunity, there's this challenge to excellence. So, that's what we're going to talk about. How to... Live a life of spiritual excellence. By the way, even if you're not all that into spiritual excellence, these principles will help you in any area of your life you want to be excellent in. So most of us probably have an area of life that we don't want to stink at. Like we think, no, this, we want this part of our life to really work. Anybody would like to be able to pay like all of your bills. Right, like that's an area of life, like pay all of our, or have relationships that actually bring life and don't suck the life out of you. Does it seem like a good plan? Like there are certain, I know we can pray for you guys because it's a problem, isn't it? It's just hard. I'm just kidding. Does that make sense? Like there's some areas that we don't, how many would like to raise kids that eventually get jobs and make it? Amen, right? You don't want to fail. This is like, this is not an area you want to fail. This is the kind of stuff that it will take to get there. I hope we will apply it to our spiritual lives. That's the intention of the scripture. Let's pray. God. (laughs) Sorry, I just had a weird prayer come to mind. I was going to say, be gentle, God, because this is some hard stuff. But no, how about get us, God. We want to have spiritual excellence in our lives. We all have areas of our lives that matter. Speak to us today so that we can perform at our best. In Jesus' name, amen. Got two ideas connected to godly excellence. The first one is this. Godly excellence requires a clear decision. That's what we're going to talk about first. A clear decision. And in verse 15, it says, I know your deeds, the Lord's speaking, that you are neither hot nor cold. And then we get a glimpse into the heart of God. He says, I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either one or the other. So I looked into that word there, the definition of the word wish. And of course it means I wish. It means I wish. It means I would that. You could translate it, I would that. Or, oh, I like this one. Oh, that you would be one or the other. And it went on in some of the description to say, it's describing an expression of an unattainable Wish I think it's a pretty deep desire. Like, come on, choose one or the other. And I was thinking of an example that that we might feel like God might feel like this, and uh, it could be: Have you ever come up to a four-way stop and a person just can't decide whether they're going to go or not go, and it just is driving you crazy? Because they do the, oh, I'll go, oh, no, I won't, oh, yes, I will, oh, no, I won't, and no, you go, oh, wait, I'll, and you go, just go, or don't go, or get out of the car and give me your driver's license, you don't deserve to have that, right? There's this part of driving is you, right, sorry, this is a pet peeve of mine, apparently, I need prayer after church, because I'm like, come on, just make it decision that it's that so that's not far from this feel that God has in this text come on decide which camp you're going to be and you're going to be cold okay then be be hot but this middle ground is distasteful to him I said th- sorry there I got you didn't I <laughs> totally got you not really but close so here's the idea God's patience runs thin. This is important to know about our God. Our Father in heaven. It runs thin when people straddle the fence. With the rest of our time in this point, we're going to dwell on a characteristic of God that we, we probably don't dwell on Maybe as often as we should. A lot of times we'll dwell on the patience of God. Anybody grateful for the patience of God? Yes, we all are. But there's this other side of God. It's the the urgency of God. And it is a legit characteristic of who God is. Every once in a while he is like, come on, what are you waiting for? Make a decision. Let's go. Exodus 4 God's people are pinned between an army and almost an ocean, the Red Sea. And the leader, his name's Moses, and he starts whining to God. And God says to Moses, by the way, the army, they're either going to kill him or make him slaves. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. It's like, we don't have time for this, Moses. Raise your staff and let's get going. Another example. We're going to look at several. This may not be the best example, but Jesus was having a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is supposed to be, well, no, he is a spiritual leader in the community. And he comes to Jesus and starts a conversation. Uh, and it's, he starts with small talk. You can look at, at it in John 3. And Jesus interjects uh, the idea of no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You've probably heard of that, right? Born again. So he says, I tell you, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Nicodemus doesn't get it. He's like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Jesus comes around again. He says, he just... Hits it again. No, you got to be born of the water and the spirit. Nicodemus still scratching his head. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? And my interpretation here, this is not as much a question, but a statement of, you ready? Of disappointment. Wait a minute. You are a teacher in this community? And you don't get this? You should get this. By the way, if we can have spiritual urgency, make decisions, it'll bring traction to our life. Think of the area of your life you want to excel in. When we can make decisions, it, it, it brings God's power. Into it, In Matthew chapter tw- uh, 20, there are two blind men. Jesus is passing by. They cause a commotion. They get to be in front of Jesus. And Jesus asks them this question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Praise God they had an answer and they did not have to think about it for a day. Because Jesus is on the move. And they say, Lord, we want our sight. Boom, that's what you, had they say, well, gosh. Now they could have, they could have thought, oh gosh, we got the Lord of the universe in front of us and he just asked, what do we want? This is an incredible opportunity. Maybe we should think through this and maybe we should get counsel. But there are times, no, no, make a decision and go. So we want our sight and they got it. If you want to explore a, uh, a great example of this in first. In the Bible somewhere, there's a story. I'll give you the First Samuel 17. It was on the screen. It was on the screen. 1 Samuel 17, there's a story of David and Goliath. Some of you have heard the story or heard the reference. I'm going to sum it up faster than I've ever summed it up before. There's, there's, uh, for 40 days, there's a huge warrior threatening The armies of God. For 40 days, God's army and king do basically nothing. And in one day, a guy named David comes along and fixes it all. That's the story. One day, David comes, sees the situation, makes a decision. He's frustrated. Why are we doing this? I'll fight the guy. Beats him up, cuts off his head. We're done. Changes the whole thing in, I would guess, four hours. By the way, that's the guy that God said, I want that guy to be king. You want to get to a higher place in those important things of life? Whether we can make a decision or not is huge in those areas. So it brings up a question for us. What is my present level of spiritual urgency? Great question. Mm, painful question sometimes. It's my level of spiritual urgency. Ouch. By the way, some of you are doing great. Some of us need that question pushed out in front of our face. Now I want to finish this, the rest of this point by talking about. When the Lord, when we realize our urgency is low and we're not making a decision and we get a revelation, God opens our eyes to, oh my, I'm not doing this well. Jump on the opportunity right away. If we're doing well, I'll just give you an example. I've got four things that drive my life. Love God, serve my wife, train my kids, and grow this church. That's what I'm I'm about. Pretty regularly, I will assess those four things and realize I have slipped into mediocrity. I'll think, and just 10 days ago, I remember thinking, oh, how am I doing at being a great husband? <laughs> and it didn't take but a second to go, oh, I'm not doing very well at that. I thought I hadn't done anything kind for my wife, you know, served my wife in, in, a, in a while. And it must have been a good day because I realized Mark, do it right now. So I then, within five minutes, I adjusted some schedule things. I say, hey, I texted her and said, hey, let's work on this project. I did something then. Because if I don't do something then, you know what will happen? That idea will fade away. And then it will be another five weeks before I go, oh, yeah, I'm married. <laughs> I should be paying attention. To- Does that make sense? Do something then. When we, uh, Tuesday, like, but my biggest life purpose is I want to love God. And I realized this last Tuesday, wow, God, it's been several days since I had done that very well. I'm sorry to bust your bubble and think, oh, Mark's got it all together. No, he doesn't. And so I, that day, thought, right now, Lord, what can I do? Because I do love you. I'm sorry I've forgotten about you, but I do love you. And so I took some time right then and on that day, right then and there, I did some extra things because I want to, if you're in a ditch and you want to get out, sometimes you've got to crank the wheel to get out of that thing and not just go, oh, I don't know, hopefully someday I'll get out of this ditch. It's urgency. Godly excellence requires a clear decision. Second idea, godly excellence requires honest self-evaluation. Before we get to the text, can we, most of us just admit, it's easy to deceive ourselves and think we're doing better than we actually are. Can we be, can we go, it's easy I mean, I just, it's easy for me to think, oh, I'm doing great as a husband. And then when I really get my eyes open, go, oh, wow, I guess I'm not as good as I thought. I no? Do you guys live in that world where it's easy to drift? That's a good word. It's easy to drift off center and then go, oh, I, oh if somebody would say, how you do?" I'm doing great. But if reality jumped in, you would realize, oh, wait, maybe not so much. So I think with the Laodicean church, They're not just a little deceived about who they are. They're on the edge of delusional. Look at this text. You say, God's saying to them, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I should have highlighted this. And do not need a thing. That's where they're at. I do not need a thing. I'm glorious. Delusional. Because God clarifies and he describes them By the way, God's opinion, our opinion. Which one's right? God's, okay. You guys are sharp. He says, you, this is worth noting, you do not realize. See, that's delusion, deception. You do not realize. By the way, does this mean God didn't love him? No, he loves him enough to be honest with him. You're not realizing something. That you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He hits him with five delusions. That's a pretty significant unawareness of reality. And I'm going to give you a weird word picture right now. You'll not be glad you came to church after I say this. This is the kind of delusional that's on the level of Speedo guy at the public beach. (laughs) Have you all seen him? Yeah, most of us. I was going to put a picture on the screen. We don't need a picture (laughs) because we have a picture in our mind already, right? It's the guy and the whole world knows seriously dude you shouldn't be but somewhere in there we <laughs> i can't believe we're talking about speedo guy anyway right and he oh, uh-oh speedo guy are you here <laughs> if you're here we would like to tell you something you don't look as good as you think you do <laughs> right it'd be like we all know that there's somewhere in there what's going on in, in the so sorry you're, you're not glad you came to church. Is that the worst thing I've ever said from this stage? I can't get that out of my mind. Okay. <laughs> but somewhere in there, the, the Laodiceans, God is like, what are, you th- what are you thinking? You're not even close to where you should be. Here's, did, I, did I say this? The Laodicean self-perception was way off. Just way off. I don't need a thing. Oh, no, you need a lot. And to be clear, and we'll finish up our time with this idea, if you want to be exceptional, if you want to live a life of excellence, two things. One, you will have a healthy, a self-perception, an honest one. And then I want to say to us, if we will live there, we will be rare. Most of us, it's too easy to just live in self-deception. I don't know if I said that right. It's really easy culturally to live there because in most of the circles of influence that we live in, it's way common to just affirm mediocrity, average, or even sin. It's where we're living. It'll make us exceptional if we actually are self-aware correctly. Because there's so much affirmation of average or worse. Is that, are you there with me? So here's a here's reality, not a great, not a great illustration. But, but we could be a person who is living actively in sexual immorality. We're not in the covenant of marriage. And we're if having sex and all, we, we, we can be that. We, are, we could be that person who financially is deceiving people taking their money, not honest at work, doing all kinds of things, that, that stuff. Um, uh, relationally hurting people. Like just all the time. Uh, uh, spiritually giving God 15 minutes a week while we give 20 hours a week to our hobby. Amen? Like we can do, we can do all those things. You could, uh, see I should talk a little bit about that maybe, common culturally, give eight hours, 15 hours, 25 hours to hobbies, never go to church, spend no time in the Bible, no service to God, right? And yet we don't live in a culture where anyone would state the obvious, excuse me, that's an idol, my friend. Does that make sense? When's the last time we talked about idolatry? Because whatever we love more than God is an idol. So you can do all those things and take God's name in vain 70, 70 times a day. And you know what people will say about us? Oh, he's a good guy. Really, he's a good guy. And the reality is we've got to be careful about that voice. We've got to run to God and say, Lord, in the midst of a significant tendency for humanity to deceive ourselves. Will you show me what the truth is? Will you open my eyes to the Bible, to reality? Will you gather around me some friends that both support me and will say what needs to be said to me? That'll be an exception. We'll be exceptional if we do it. There's a prayer that would make us exceptional in Psalm 139. David, the guy who beat Goliath, is the guy who wrote this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Look at this. See if there is any offensive way in me. Phenomenal spiritual exercise. Phenomenal spiritual exercise. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way... Everlasting. Wisdom, excellence regularly takes time to say, Lord, where am I really at? And by the way, I'm convinced in my experience, sometimes God will say, you're doing great. But if we're not doing great, do we want to know? Now... (laughs) That's, by the way, do we want to know now? At some point in our experience, everything will be plain. Let me give you a sobering verse from Matthew 7, 22. In the future, it says, many will say to me on that day, this is Jesus speaking, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Basically, they're saying, Lord, didn't we do, didn't we do well? Look at what we did. And Jesus, here's what it says. Then I will tell them plainly. At some point, we'll all know how we did and how we're doing. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. The exceptional will say, Lord, I don't want to just know it then. I want to know it now. That'll make a difference. I want to know now. How am I doing at parenting? I want to know now, what's my moral life look like? I want to know now, am I a Christian or not? I want to know now, am I pleasing you? Am I storing up treasure in heaven? I want to know now what's going to come. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That'll change our lives. It'll take us to the higher level. By the way, this idea of beyond mediocrity is what we're talking about in Chasing God. This is the text that we gave all the speakers. They won't be speaking out of this text, maybe, but this was the theme. Like, come and challenge us on how we can be hot for God and not lukewarm. I'm excited for the week. Last, fill in the blank. When was the last time I had godly clarity? When was the last time I had godly clarity? Today's a great day for godly clarity. This week's great week for godly clarity. That's the hope. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.